Hello there, this is Dan Mecca, and I want to thank you for listening to The B-Side, and welcome you to episode 3, in which we discuss the B-Sides of Keanu Reeves, ahead of the release of his indie rom-com Destination Wedding, also starring the great Winona Ryder. Please send through any questions, comments, and concerns. Every little bit helps. Thanks again for listening, and enjoy the show. And here we are. What are we talking about? We're talking about, on this show, the B-side, about a guy named Keanu. A cool breeze. A cool breeze. A cool breeze, Reeves. Yeah. Keanu, cool breeze, Reeves. He's a man. He's almost more than a man. A myth, if you will. A John Wick. A a Neo. A uh, An action icon. But we're not talking about any of that, right? We're not talking about... Point break what? No. No. No, I think I think first and foremost I'd like to talk to him about a degenerate gambling little league <laughs> baseball right. coach. Well this is what <laughs> this is why we're here. So exactly. So let's set the scene a little bit. It's nineteen ninety nine, okay? Keanu Reeves is a star, but a fading star, right? So early nineties, late eighties He's a he's he's a fucking firelight. This guy, he's doing it all, right? He's got nice part in Parenthood, right? He's got break. the Bill and Ted movies. Well, hang on, yeah. And then all of a sudden, boom, Point Break, point break right? right? Not a smash hit, but 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 a notable thing, right? People liked it when it came out. People love it now. And then, like two years later, Speed, which right. people almost forget weirdly people kind of forget this but was just a monster when it came out just a f- just an absolute behemoth rightly so it was great like it's it a great a, movie it's a, it's it's probably for my money the best action movie of the 1990s yeah and it's just like the perfect example of die hard hit and then it was there was a lot of you know die, die hard in yeah. right die hard you know but this and that's probably you know it'll never get better than that as the as the die hard one offs written is it Joss Whedon Co- he part of that? He co-wrote it, right? Uh, or he did a rewrite. He did it like a famously did a rewrite. Who is the 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 main guy? The guy who did he did um, Justified? Graham Yost. That yes. was a, a Yost yes, joint. Was, yeah. And Yost was a guy. Not to pivot. Let's too much, let's. I mean, well, we're here. I mean, Yost we're was it. a guy who, if you ever wanted an action movie, I mean, I guess Speed kind of doesn't fall into this, but like Yost came up with Broken Arrow. Yeah. Right. Also nineties. And yeah. Hard Rain, right? So Yost was in the game of, like, high-concept action movies. It was the Clinton years. Yeah, you know, nobody had anything better. <laughs> People were happy. Yeah, it was every- a different... Uh, it's a different time then, we have to remember. No, but you're right. So Yost, you have... Okay, so you have Speed, you have high-concept, big hit, um, and Keanu's a, a monster. Okay. But then he, then what happens? Check this out. I'm going to just... I'm going to name a few movies after you. Okay. 94 speed boom 121 domestic monster okay <laughs> thanks box office 95 mojo. yeah thank you for real 95 johnny mnemonic okay mnemonic whatever mnemonic 19 mil flop ola okay toughy right but it was almost like his primer for what for happens the for what happens sure. in, in 99 well but this like, is my point so walk in the clouds a modest period romance 50 million kind of underrated all right 
96 chain reaction one day we'll talk about chain reaction not today not not today but, but that's the, but by god that movie yeah. is a strange time capsule okay yeah. but a, but a flop 20 21 million no one saw it feeling minnesota weird little new line indie at the time kind of nobody saw it cameron diaz young cameron diaz um last time i Last the last time I committed suicide, also in the same thing, barely got a release. Kind of a weird movie. Thomas Jane's in it. A lot of other people. Um, it's about kind of about the uh, um, you know Jack Kerouac and these guys. Um, and Devil's Advocate is is a modest success, but it's as much Pacino's movie as it is Keanu's. Right? It's it's and Charlize and Charlize and that. We'll come back to Charlize, yeah. right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, but definitely. Yeah. Early Charlize, but this is my point, right? All of a sudden, he's made six movies after Speed, and it's like he's a whatever guy, right? All of a sudden, he's just like another, you know, another another pretty face in Hollywood. Well, kind I think of. yeah, I think he kind of you know because he. He and Sandra Bullock, I, for my money, have like two of the like some of the best kind of chemistry two actors have, right? Sure. I mean, maybe the Lake House would say differently. Whoa! All right, buddy. But in Speed, there it's like so, it's really what propels that movie because both of them are so great together. He's just like he's exactly the the dude that you want to be on a bus with a bomb on and she's like pleasant and, and right. like funny and really like snappy. Like he was a movie star in that movie. And I think what a lot of people do when they go through this cycle is they have a monster hit. And then when you get to the B sides, right. It's because they're like, Hey, I did this one thing. People are kind of asking me what I want to do next. And then they kind of, they, they do the other things. Right. So he does this slog of, of stuff after speed because he's kind of probably putting the feelers out and checking his range which i mean i love keanu to death but is limited 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 right right? so i think this was him feeling out those limits right Right. and then he kind of it what what i think is funny is like he does something like johnny monic right and gets to 99 or technically before 99 but you know gets to the late 90s and like curbs that weird sci-fi well, bent with yeah. with speed with like him being an action star and i think i think you run into a thing with and like you were saying this happens with a lot of with a lot of actors a lot of movie stars it's a stock you know, his stock was getting in you know it was going down it yeah. was the type of thing where it was like okay maybe we're done with this guy okay so Devil's Advocate comes out. It's a modest success, kind of, you know, vaguely underwhelming, you know. Um, and then what happens? March 1999. March 31st, 1999. A little movie comes out called The Matrix, right? Directed at the time by the Wachowski brothers. It's a shocker. It's a shocker hit. It's a it's a game changer. It's something in the annals of history will you know is it is in that world of Jurassic Park, Avatar. And you it know, was these, it was also these... one of the first movies. Uh, it was also one of the first movies that I think I, I don't think people forget this because I think people remember the ad campaign. But it was one of the first movies to have like the the beginnings of like a viral marketing campaign, right? Yeah, because like it didn't like the first trailers and teasers. It was literally just like, "What is the Matrix?" It had nothing like nobody sure. knew, and so it like they really, they really like 
surreptitiously marketed the hell well, out of it. Well, and there are all these stories with the Wachowskis and Warner Brothers about the way they went about kind of convincing Warners of what they had, right? And just like taking chunks of budgets to make amazing 15-minute sequences and all these things, right? And so the movie comes out, and it stars Keanu, and he's, he's Neo, and all of a sudden, right, now you have this situation where it's Point Break 91, Speed 94, and The Matrix 99, and with all these kind of B-sidey movies in between, betwixt, if you will, you have this action star all of a sudden, right? I mean, and Matrix has these iconic action scenes, these, these, this iconic choreography, special effects, what have you. And all of a sudden, boom, he's back. Keanu, where's he been? Here he is. All right. Love it. Well, and I think he, I think he played in that movie, and I think the reason it was the movie that brought him out of a previous slump is because he plays to, like, all of his existing strengths. Right. Right. Vacancy. Right. No, yeah, like totally. Like, I mean, it, I, I'm not trying to be mean to the dude, but he, there is a, there is an aloofness about well, Keanu Reeves, right? Or at least there was up until this point. Yeah. And, and he, and he plays on that perfectly. Right. And that's, you know, that's, I think that's equal parts. The Wachowskis being smart enough to be like, that's the dude, right? As opposed to say like a Will Smith who, well, who was, who was, who was offered, yeah, who right. was offered, uh, the role of Neo and turned it down. Um, and, and, Jumping off of that, and part of the inspiration for this podcast and this episode specifically is uh, I was watching a Keanu Reeves movie, and I, I tweeted out this idea about Keanu that is so important, I feel like, to the reason he's beloved and this guy who's kind of now you know, still around and lingering and, and very much a part of our pop culture is he there is an inherent kindness to what he does, what he has— and I think it's very important to what makes him so digestible. You know, even though yeah, obviously there are limitations to his acting range and all of this. And I, you know, look, I think part of the reason you're here for this episode and obviously why I'm I'm riding hard for this episode is because we're Keanu apologists. But I think the important thing is, I don't know, I feel like 10 years ago that term meant more. I mean, I think the world, you know, in, in this post-John Wick era, uh, a lot of us are Keanu Reeves apologists. I think we're well, all out of the weeds. We're like, you know what? We like this guy. Yeah, I, th- I think lately, I think lately he's he's undergone a, a much deserved reappraisal. Like, totally. I think I think most people kind of have come around on him not only as a general movie star and not only as a great action star. Some people would consider him, if, if you look at just the numbers, he's potentially the greatest action star, right? Right. And, and you know, I, I'm... Yeah, certainly in the, in, in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I, I think that reappraisal um, glosses over some stuff, like, like you know, like because after he did The Matrix, right, which kind of what we're getting into, he he went into... He got a know, little weird. Yeah, when he... He got he, a little weird. He did the replacements, which still kind of felt like a... Safe- well, let's... Hang on. Before we start jumping into it, let's... let's. I'm going to just... I'm going to name... So basically, very long-winded way of saying the B-sides we're talking about today are the five movies, right? The five movies Keanu, Cool Breeze, Reeves made betwixt The Matrix and the two Matrix sequels, Reloaded and Revolutions, uh, the amazing third potentially underrated i, ca- I kind of like it it's underrated i kind of uh, like it anyway me too uh okay the five motion pictures he made in between uh the matrix and its two sequels here we go chronological order 
The Replacements, August 2000. The Watcher, a lot to talk about with that one, September 2000. The Gift, December 2000. Supporting role, it's a busy 2000 for Keanu. February 01, Sweet November. With Charlize. A, a, per, a, pers- a Connor O'Donnell favorite. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's not good, but I kind of like Yeah, it. and then in... September of 2001, September 14th, as a matter of fact, uh, a little movie called Hardball, which is the movie I was watching when I had my little kindness tweet and the inspiration for this podcast in a lot of ways. All right, so here we go. Okay, The Replacements. Probably the movie of these five that has aged the best in the culture, which is which is to say this, right? First of all, of, of the five, it grossed the most, right? So... Howard Deutsch directing, 44 mil, domestic, uh, 50 clean, uh, altogether, worldwide. On Wikipedia, the budget is reading as 50. So not a success, right? Obviously, you know, with print and advertising and everything, uh, definitely lost some money at the time. But I think it's a movie that, honestly, a lot of people own on DVD. Like, DVDs were still being purchased in 2000, right? Yeah. And like I was saying before, you talk to people, Johnny Moviegoer, Jane, you know, accountant, people like The Replacements. It's a movie, it, it can get quoted at a, at a bar, and people will be like, oh yeah, I love that movie, right? Like, it's yeah, one of I, those movies. Yeah, and I think particularly people in in our, you know, in of, of in our age range, definitely. Right. Because, you know, we were- Late 20s, uh, early 30s, yeah, mid 30s. Right, and we were, and we were, a, we were a little younger when it came out. Sure. So it was like, it, it was just more accessible. Like that, The Replacements for me was a movie when I was a kid, I was homesick from school and like I rented it on pay-per-view. Right. And, you know, that was when, you, you know, you rented something, you had it, you have it for 24 hours and it like- it wasn't like today where you could like stop and pause or whatever. It just played, yeah, like on repeat, right? right. So it was just it, it was a like, channel, yeah. Right? It was like, and like for so, twenty four hours, there was a replacements channel, exactly, right. exactly. So it was one of those things that like I I think I watched the replacements three times the first time I saw it. You it was foot, I mean? like, Footsteps Falco, dude, right? Shane, uh, Shane, Shaney, Shane, Shane Falco, great quarterback, Shane man. Falco. Obviously, I'm you know, I'm not speaking out of school here. This is uh, you know this this is not my theory. Obviously, just Johnny Utah, but you know ret- retired. Yeah, fixing rich people's boats and then gets a second shot. And is he at here Ohio we are. State in both movies? That's a good question. I don't. I actually meant to look that up. I don't know. I, let me look it up real quick while we talk. Because I, I, I feel I wanna like say he's yes. A, I want. I want to say he was a California quarterback in Point Break, college quarterback. He definitely is an Ohio State quarterback. No, no, he's an Ohio State quarterback in Point Break. So he's so basically. So wait, what is we're he an Ohio is, State quarterback in? Uh, oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So basically, hang on. So basically, what we're saying. They must have. That must have been on purpose, right? When you're ma- when you when you when you cast it, it Keanu, had to have been. I kind of just like the idea. Wow, that, like, after, that okay it makes after sense. The, all the craziness of Point Break, Johnny Utah changed his name <laughs> to Shane Falco. And, yeah, or and maybe how about this? They're twin what if brothers. his name was always <laughs> Shane Falco and the Johnny Utah was like an FBI A cover. name? Oh fucking that's right. Good. That's so, good. wow, that's interesting. Anyway. Okay, but so the replacements. Okay, we're, we're not. Let's not dive into it. I mean. People know it. Chicks dig scars, right? 
glory lasts forever these lines there are things like the the um the dancing scene in the prison right th- there are moments right i mean it's a movie that came out it's kind of got a funny little thing so john favreau uh, he had a show um around that time called dinner for five um you can watch all of these episodes on youtube actually and they're actually, it's actually a great show it's a great kind of time capsule he would have like five actors directors producers whatever and he would speak with them he hosted it kind of was over dinner obviously and in one of the episodes I recently watched, he talked about, because he's in The Replacements. Right. And he actually has a pretty good little role. He's like a running back, crazy, psychotic guy. His name's Danny Bateman, I believe. It's like yeah. a funny little thing. It's good. And he mentions in the show Dinner for Five that he was disappointed with The Replacements because when it when the script was passed around and he got the role and auditioned and everything, it was meant to be like a longest yard thing, like a rated R like you know kind of like a semi-tough movie semi-tough like you know more like that so it's supposed to be like one of these movies right kind of rated our kind of rough and tumble you know like something like that a little edgier edgier yeah. right and then of course right it gets made or it's, it's getting made and you know it's getting tested after they shoot some stuff and blah 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 and it becomes what it is, which is like a little rough and tumble, but really a cutesy kind of more family-friendly movie. And so Favreau was basically, you know, having that actor's moment being like, you know, you train to make this one movie and then all of a sudden it becomes this like watered down thing. Right. Which I think is a totally appropriate thing. I mean, that is what it is. But I think, it, and this is, it almost speaks to the re- one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is that it's interesting the way the lives of movies, right? Like the replacements when it came out in 2000, like I said before, was kind of a whatever thing. It came out in the summer, August, made a little bit of money, not a lot, whatever, right? It was yeah. like Neo, Keanu trying to do something else. Ha ha ha, Johnny Utah similarities, and then it's gone. But now, 2018, and it's like it's not a classic, but it's there. You know, it it, it lives on. Well, it's you it know, is, it lives on. Yeah, and it is. I mean, I don't know. For me, it is. It's almost not a B side. Do you know what I'm saying? It is, but it's like yeah, almost it's, not. And it's right? also like, I mean, you know, let's not go nuts. Like the movie's not great. No, like, but it's but it is like, and I th- it's like pretty good. And and it lines up. I think part of what we're kind of trying to define with when we talk about B sides, quality will vary. Right. That's right. the thing. It's like, you know. uh, Good, bad, I think part of this is also what's remembered, right? Mm-hmm. What does what does fandom and culture remember about these movies? Okay. Sure. So so using jumping off of that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Later that year, not even less than a month later, he a movie comes out called The Watcher, right? Universal releases a movie called The Watcher. Now, Universal was in a bidding war over that movie. Is that right? Yeah, it was in a bidding war with Warner Brothers. Wow. And, uh, oh God, I can't remember the other studio. It's a studio that no longer is, uh, Destination Films. <laughs> okay. And they do not exist anymore. They are dissolved, um, okay. After, yeah, after a series of misfires. But they, uh, yeah, Universal won... It was an in, it was independently financed, right? And Universal paid, I, I think it was like fifteen million dollars or something like that. So there's a good chance, if you're listening, that you don't even know about this movie, right? Right. I I weirdly I would have been you know I would have been twelve, right? Almost twelve. So, but I weirdly remember the trailers for this movie, and I think part of the reason I probably remember it is because it was like, oh, the guy in the Matrix is a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Tagline for this movie, by the way, is "Don't go home alone." 
Don't go home alone. It's just like, guys, gals, don't go home alone. Anyway, here's what it is. The Watcher, straight from Wikipedia. The Watcher is a 2000 American thriller film directed by Joe Charbonic and starring James Spader, The Spades, Marissa Tomei, and Cool Breeze Reeves. Set in Chicago, the film is about a retired FBI agent who was stalked and taunted by a serial killer. Obviously, the twist here being the FBI agent is Mr. Spader. Right. right. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's the most shocking thing sure. in the whole movie. <laughs> and the serial killer is Mr. Cool Breeze Reeves. So here we go. I, kind of, when I read it, I, I, and this is maybe, maybe why I remember it, I go, I mean, okay. Right? Like, you're, well, there's feels, something about it. Like, it, you're, you're a reverse casting, you're yeah. against type casting. Like, I'm, I'm in a little. Yeah, well, it, and it definitely like from from like the Keanu standpoint, like it it does make sense as like a logical next. I guess right. Like, you could like you have a mega hit, sh- yeah. Right then you kind of did this like lighter thing that like that you kind of did this lighter thing, right? That people liked, yeah. Right, maybe didn't love, but people liked. It did okay. It wasn't a bomb. The replacements, yeah. Well, right. but I guess you wouldn't. I mean. I guess when you were making it, you would hope it would be. I mean, you were never. I don't right, think you never know. But right, yeah, I see what you're, you're following right, right, this right, trajectory, right? right. Yeah, and it's you, and yeah. and you're you know you're, you're you're doing the hero thing. Yeah. And yeah, and I don't know. It makes sense that it if, kinda, if yeah. someone now the whole thing risky though, move, right, right, move. and like, but the whole thing, and I don't know. I mean, a like you said, I don't even know how many people even remember this movie, and b like I don't. This is true. What I, you're talking about? What yeah, happened? Yeah, yeah. So this is a real thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go, so I'll let you take. He, take he, it so he goes on the record here. This you can find this. I'm looking. Guardian UK article. I mean, it, from from the lips of Keanu himself, um, a year after the movie came out. This is basically taken directly from kind of um, the internet, but but is true uh, as I as I understand it. Reeves basically admitted a year after the movie came out. That he was never that interested in making the movie, um, but his assistant Brian, fucking Brian, Brian dude, this God, guy, goddamn Brian, forged his signature on a contract. So now there's a basically, as I understand it, okay, he so this guy Joe Cherbonic who directed the movie, right? There was some sort of relationship with Keanu, right? And this this fucking assistant Brian, right? Did, whatever, whatever happened. Basically, what happened was there was a signature that was forged. Keanu was like, "What's going on?" Right? Sherbonic's like, "Yo, let's do this movie." Keanu's like, "I didn't sign it. Forged." Blah blah blah. And so ultimately, he Keanu performed the role rather than get involved in a lengthy legal battle. Okay. He was contractually prevented from disclosing this until a year after the film's U.S. release, right? So he basically signed some sort of NDA, right? Saying, I'm not going to shit on this movie. But he also didn't, and, you know, I I think this is also basically true. He didn't do a lot of promotion for it, right? He just basically was in this thing. And if you watch the movie, right, if you watch The Watcher. Indeed. (laughs) um, He's not, it's not like he's, I mean, he's in it, but it's, you know, the leads of the picture. It's a spader Tommy joint. With a little peppering of, of Reeves. I mean, he's he's or in Spader it. Tomei. Spader Tomei. Yeah. Or, or, or Tomei. Tomei? Yes, no, Tomei? I'm, just, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, the Spader Tomei joint. 
And so, so whatever. So that's what it is. I mean, that's the most interesting thing about the Watcher. I mean, the movie itself, which I've seen, is 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 fine. It's it. He's doing something. It's it more than anything. It's a curio, right? It's a well, weird thing. And so the other like thing, that, like the other part of that story is that even when he was doing the movie, right, it was supposed to be basically like little more than a cameo, right? Like it was supposed to be basically like, you know. They have these tit for tats over the phone and whatever, and like you don't really know who he is or whatever, and he kind of just pops in at the end, and you're like, oh man, it's it's Keanu Reeves. It's right? Reeves. Not not unlike a not unlike a uh, a Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. in, in Seven, right? Right, like that kind of thing. Yeah, well, yeah. right, which was yeah. and and you know he was Keanu Reeves at the time, post Matrix, right? So so the Universal was like, no, like we're gonna we gotta put you in this movie. So he wound up being in more of the movie. Right. And wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he wound up being in more of the movie than initially planned and wasn't getting paid as much as Spader or Tomei because he was initially contracted for like a small one like one point five. Yeah, like a small it was like a smaller role. He was also rumored to have been outraged to discover that he I'm reading the Guardian article. Yeah. Outraged to discover he was receiving a reported 1.5 million less than co- than his co-star Spader, which I gotta say, I mean, look, I'm me, me and you are on the on the precipice, on the outskirts of this industry, right? I right. mean, we're we're working people in New York, you know, media people, but that seems crazy for that time. That that Keanu. We get less significantly less than than James Spader seems. Well, nuts, that's that's the weird right? thing, right? Is that I mean, at the time, and may, I don't know, maybe I'm misremembering, and and you know, anybody can feel free to correct me. Like, it seems like Keanu's the the bigger movie star, of course, right? He is. Like, of course, right? So like, right. so like, but I guess he's in less. Than, I don't know. That's yeah. strange. Yeah, it's so, strange. So the weird thing, though, and this is like the funniest thing, is so they then had to like deliberately. Uh, downplay his involvement. That was like part of his agreement. He was like, "Okay, I'll take the lower cut, and I'll do, I'll do this movie, yeah, m- more of this movie that I Jeez. never wanted to do, right?" And uh, and he and they and at, at in return, he was you know they were like, "Okay, we're gonna downplay how much you're in the movie." So he's not on the poster. Like he's not on the poster. Isn't it a silhouette? It's of a him? silhouette. But like he's not on the poster. Right, he's not like he's in, f- his features aren't featured. Yeah, he, and granted, he's in the trailer, but it's you know. I mean, he's like, got the above the title, right? Like his well, name on. is no, no, above no, no, hang the title. So here's the weird thing: it's almost as if they already basically made the posters or something, and then they were like, "Shit, we got to fix it." Because if you look at the poster, it's Spader Tomei above the title, and then below the title, really squeezed. It's oh, like right. squeezed. Little. Well, you're right. It's funny. It's it's right below the title is Spader and Tomei. And then, like in a in a almost a stretched, almost like if you fucked up in Photoshop. No, right? Yeah, it literally it's a, looks it's like a Keanu they, Reeves. It looks situation. like they had it normally, and then they wow, were like, "That is weird." And then they were like, "No, we gotta, we gotta just Keanu that Reeves, is, like just a little weird. squeeze." Like it's so funny because it weirdly, feels, weirdly, it feels like a movie. not a hit, right? Not a hit at all. But what a, a weird thing about this movie made. Ultimately, right around twenty nine mil, um, forty seven worldwide, cost a reported thirty. So kind of a middling thing, but funny enough, came out September eighth, two thousand. Was number one at the box office two weeks in a row. No way. Yeah, dude. It, yes, it made. <laughs> it was made nine million its first weekend. Number one, 
right below it was Nurse Betty, a far, far superior picture. And then the next week, it was number one again at 5.8. And the movie that couldn't beat it was a little movie that we one day I'm sure we'll talk about called Bait, starring oh, Jamee Foxx. <laughs> Mr. Fox, yeah. a movie that I weirdly not unlike your not unlike your replacements thing. I feel like I saw like five times when I was younger. I don't know if it was on it was on HBO, HBO all the time. I yeah. saw that movie and I remember being like, "This guy, Jamie Fox, he's the real deal. He's going with places. The bait. He's going places." And he, you know, obviously had a ready kind of was on his way. But anyway, weird, right? Bait directed by Antoine Fuqua, by the way. Okay. I did All right, know, so I did know that. <laughs> that's the watcher. And look, there's not much more to say about it. I mean, it's an interesting movie. It's no not <laughs> inter- more. Yeah, it, yeah, interesting in the way it came together. Basically, interesting that it exists. Yeah, I mean, I would if I had to rank based on like, you know, TNT quality, which is to say, it's on. I, I turn on the replacements. Right. Sure. If it's if the watcher's on TNT, I'm. I'm blowing right past it. It's kind of interesting a little too, I guess, in as much as it is it's an interesting capsule for where Spader was and where Tomei was, I guess, right? I mean, Spader was kind of fading out in terms of like maybe this guy's gonna become a big deal, right? He had some right. shots. And he would still be, you know, secretary, obviously indie movie, good movie, that would come after. But he, any real shot of the like is this guy going to be, you know, our next, you know, about to pick a guy like Spader, right? Like our next, in I don't know, uh, what Charlie Sheen? I don't, but Charlie Sheen never yeah, became. Yeah, what like was that, he right? going to be? Like I, that maybe, and maybe that's why I never really like became anything. Because yeah, it's like, he what, just what was he going to be? He wasn't never, gonna, he wasn't going to be a Costner. A he once friend, gonna, you know, he was. Well, Costner was a good. That's an interesting comparison, right? I think he had. He was. Too enigmatic, too devious. I feel like to be a Costner, right? So he wasn't like a gonna... Cusack, maybe. You know, maybe that he, was a shot. right, or a, or a Robert Downey Jr. Right, like, right, right, right. And it just never really happened. And so it's just interesting. The why, you know, the, it's just interesting with the Watcher because it was a studio movie, even though it was independently financed. It was released by a major studio, and it's just funny because that is a starring role, and it's kind of the beginning of the end in that way, in terms of kind of big, bigger movies. Anyway, here we go. December 22nd, 2000, coming in at 111 minutes, budget of 10, grossed 44. It's actually kind of interesting, yeah. sneaky little hit. Directed by Mr. Sam Raimi. Written by. And it's pre-Spider-Man, right? Correct. Yeah, 2000. Correct. Yeah. Written by, ooh, the Bob. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah. William Robert Thornton. Thornton. Yeah. Uh, and he's not in it, which is weird. No, it's it's so funny. Like, get him in it. Yeah, I don't it, know. the movie is. It's anyway. It's called The Gift. <laughs> <laughs> not the Joel Edgerton, also good uh, movie from 2015. This is 2000, The Gift, directed by argue... Sammy Rames, written by William Robert Thornt, and um, yeah, it's a good one. It's a crackler, right? Yeah, no, I I like the movie. Kate Blanchett's the star. I like it's like a it's like a Bayou version of a really creepy Scooby Doo episode. And it's almost it's almost like a a fantastical To Kill a Mockingbird. There's like a there is like basically John your your description was way more complimentary than mine. Giovanni Rubisi's character is basically like a Boo Radley ish. I just 
honestly, the thing I remember most about the movie is that is like yeah, no, Giovanni Ribisi's yeah. character is like a Boo Radley type guy. Yeah. It's like he's like, oh, is he creepy? Is he good? It's like, and then he kind of ultimately reveals himself to some degree. Kate Blanchett doing all star work here. She's great, right? Yeah, she's great. This is definitely. This is, I mean, straight up. Let's just be clear. I mean, there's not even not even close of the of these five B sidey. It's ma- the best one. Matrix. I, I mean, yeah, it's the best one. The yeah. best one by a mile. And a he's good, a good, a, a legitimately good movie that you might. Yeah. I probably don't. It's probably on Amazon Prime right now. You can watch it. It's great. Yeah, it's very good. Um, distributed, funnily enough, um, Paramount Classics, which doesn't. I mean, obviously, part of Paramount does not release movies anymore. Um, which makes sense though for the time because I right I, it was that time and I honestly and I honestly think like I I think that um, I think that you know everyone involved making this movie probably really thought that they had like a, a really viable movie on there and I mean they clearly well, did it was a, I mean, it, it was, was a, it was a sneaky uh, hit right so like, yeah it was like generally well received and I think you know it, it, once again and this is obviously what we're talking about with this with this little podcast here. It's also an interesting time for Sam Raimi, right? I mean, this is Sam Raimi where he's doing movies. He's playing with genres. He's working around, right? He's doing stuff, you know, he's doing basically doing stuff like For Love of the Game, Kevin Costner right. baseball movie. Underrated, right? A pretty good baseball movie. Guy pitching a perfect game. It's Costner. It's baseball. It works. The year before that, A Simple Plan right. with Mr. Thornton, Thornton. in it. Yeah. And I think he might have written it too. Is that right? Did Thornton write that? No, did... Scott B. Smith wrote that. But so anyway, so point being, right? This is like post Evil Dead, post Army of Dark- Darkness. Raimi, he's a little in the weeds, right? The Quick and the Dead didn't, you know, the Quick and the Dead was this kind of bigger studio western he did, didn't really hit, right? There's three years between that and A Simple Plan. Simple Plan, obviously a smaller movie, but hit kind of nice. It was well-received. There's a couple Oscar noms that came with it. You know, didn't explode the box office, but uh, has a nice little reputation. Then he does For Love of the Game, similar kind of thing, underwhelming. The Gift, kind of underwhelming. But he's making, he's doing good work. And it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's worth noting that all those movies are are good movies. They're good movies. Yeah, they're They're good. good, They're good movies. Quick and the Dead, even, in its own way, in its own, like, nostalgic way. There's a lot to like in it. Young Leo, um, Sharon Stone kind of having a lot of fun. Um, So those four movies, in their own way, it's like a Sam Raimi B-side, right? Quick and the Dead, Simple Plan, For Love of the Game, The Gift, right? Right. It's just... An interesting time in his life. And then he gets Spider-Man, obviously, everything changes. So um, I guess is there anything specifically about the gift that we want to kind of highlight? Keanu Reeves, we well, haven't really even talked yeah, about. Yeah, no, 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 I was just going to say, I mean, I think... The, it's a small role. It's a small role, but it's a really Pivotal. good one. And it's yeah. it's kind of funny because it's like, it's him playing. It's almost like you you could see a world where he wishes the Watcher didn't happen, right? <laughs> and. Yeah. And he, because he plays a villain in it, and he he does the the chain, you know, he switches it up from playing a hero. Very he's a, racist he's a, in this one. Yeah, he's he's like a does he's like not a southern... like people who aren't white. Correct, correct. It's very yeah. weird. Yeah, but yeah. but he he yeah, I don't know. He he plays like a really hugely unlikable dude. Sure. Are we? Can we spoil? Are we spoiling? Yeah, here? let's spoil the gift. Okay. Sure. So I mean, he's a red. He's a, he's ha- a red. I'm gonna say right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's he, and that's why I say Scooby Doo episode because it is really built like. Yeah. Everything's set up, and like you know, you get all your pieces. There's like like Gary Cole plays like a smarmy lawyer, right? Gary Cole right? is great, I and about and it's I don't know, it's really good, and like you you see, I don't know, everything about Keanu in particular 
in this movie, I think totally makes sense as far like he would not be my first choice to play like an ilky shitty racist redneck his name so great donnie donnie barksdale Barksdale. great name the violent husband of is it katie holmes yeah yeah and it's and when you see her in the movie it it makes oh well no 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 actually He's the violent husband of Hillary Swank. Right. Like I'm sorry. Wife, who's also very good in this movie. But he's like also messing around he's with Katie Holmes. Spoiler alert. Right, messing around right, with Katie Holmes. Right. Yeah. And it's a good one. Yeah. It's, it's very, a it's a it's a it's a uh, what would you call it? this is a um what's the phrase? This is like a snappy little thing. It's like a Well, it's like a little southern gothic page pulpy page. Yeah, turn, like a page turn, yeah. right? It's like almost like a little John Grisham should have written the game. Yeah, it's a little like, Grisham y, like yeah. a little like yeah, it's a fun they don't make these anymore movie, right? Yeah, totally. Like and it's and it's definitely worth checking out. Um and it's I think it speaks to something about Keanu. Uh we talked about his limited range, but also he in these little roles um does really good work, right? Yeah. Like there's a little movie called Thumbsucker that came out it would come out years later. And he plays a dentist, and he's like a zen, we, you know, pothead dentist. Yeah. And it's a lovely performance. I mean, he's, once again, it's a supporting performance, but he's doing, you know, great work. And it's, he's playing off of his strengths, but he's also going in a little bit of a different direction. He made a little movie called The Private Lives of Pippa Lee, directed by Rebecca Miller. Same type of thing. He's playing off of his strengths, and it's working, and it's interesting. He can do it. Um, and I think he's only kind of made that more clear. And in a movie, a movie like The Gift is almost the furthest away he would get. I mean, just doing what he's doing. I mean, I yeah, I would say The Gift, The Gift might be the limit, successful limit, right? Like of of his of his range. Yeah, I mean, I think right because even The Watcher, he cl- he didn't literally didn't want to be there, right? No, so it's he, like it it's, feels like he doesn't want to be right, there. and it's yeah. kind of hard to even judge that performance because he's yeah. so so okay. That's the gift. Now here we go. Sweet November. Oh yeah. Let's just get it. Yeah. I'm gonna kind of let Connor run with this. So here. Sweet November. Uh, I have a I have a kind of a soft spot for. And just to be clear, came out Valentine's Day time in '01. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Prime. Hey. Yeah. Let's go out on a date. Let's see Keanu and Charlize <laughs> right. figure it out. Right. You get to. Well, you almost get to see like. The sweet version of them together because they're together. Like a sweet November, like the sweet November, the sweetest November. Right? Yeah, you could imagine. Um, No, but like because they were in, yeah, uh, they were in Devil's Devil's Advocate together. So it's a little bit of a reunion. Um, And yeah, I don't know. So Keanu Reeves plays uh, an advertising man. What's his name? Oh fuck! Oh, it's good. Oh my god, I'm looking at it. Oh, it's so good. Nelson Moss Oof. is his name. Oof. Yikes. Okay. All right, continue. Um, and I'll go back to this in a second, but you could make the argument. I mean, and again, I, I like this movie. I have a soft spot for it. To be, clear, it. To, it. To be clear, it is not good. It is not a, a successful film. Budget of 40, grossed worldwide 65. So, okay. I mean, yeah. So, mm. probably broke even. Eh, if, you know, but yeah. So he he's an ad man who basically it, he's not having a good go of it. He, I, it's been a minute since I watched it, but I could only recall in the near the beginning of the movie he pitches he's got like do a, a sexy hot dog. Yeah, and it's that it's, it's literally that's it's what it one is. of those things, and this is not Keanu's fault, 
but it's like it's a terrible scene. Oh, it's a terrible scene. Terrible. And it's and granted, like the point is that it's terrible, but like, but it's one of those things. It's too terrible, right? right. Like we work, right? Me and you, mm-hmm. we kind of work a little in the ad branding, yeah, media with, branding with world. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we have filmed these pitches. We've been parts of these pitches. There's never been a pitch like this. No. I, I I would wager there has ne- I maybe hey well, if, that's if what you it- work in the business watch this movie and tell me I'm wrong. It is I mean too much. Yeah, he is giving it his all yeah. and it is not enough. And it's it, yeah it's just and the, well, the well the shitty thing too in the context of the movie is it's one of those they build him up to I mean I don't want to say they build him up to be like a Don Draper but he but he's he's a successful ad man. So it's your it's kind of you're just like this like what is this right you know anyway but um <clears throat> yeah well right I mean you're ca- I mean well the idea is you're catching him at his boiling point right like Correct. he's he it's needs like, a break yeah he's an asshole someone needs to kind of shock him into like hey man life's not about this right it's one of these movies yeah, yeah. right the, hey not unlike Hardball which we'll get to it's very much right, they're, very they're very of a similar. piece yeah. definitely of yeah. a piece kind of a life affirming bullshittily yeah. movie kind of you yeah. know these types of things exactly yeah and so he goes to the DMV yeah and he who does he meet he meets none other than Charlize Theron Sarah Deaver in oh, the movie wow. a woman very different from anyone he has met before is what uh, Wikipedia tells me yeah she's like one of the I, if I can recall correctly She's like, you know, not certainly not the OG. What would be the titled man, the, the Manic Pixie, Pixie Dream, Dream, right? So, right, like, so obviously, so the the Nathan Rabin coined the term, the great mm-hmm. writer Nathan Rabin, and um, the movie that he um, watched and then wrote about and then coined this term was Elizabethtown, right? Kirsten right, Dunst, right? Manic Pixie Dream Girl. But obviously, in referencing, you go back to Natalie Portman, Guard State, right? right, right Manic right. Pixie Dream Girl, right? Yeah. right. Uh, and then, yeah, Charlize in this case, where basically the idea being this almost magical female character that only exists to write the ship of the male, male. lead. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And so, if you think about Garden State, think about Elizabethtown and Sweet November, very similar. And right? Not These only ideas. not only write the ship, but write the ship in like a in a very like twee. Sure. Like you know what I mean. Well, Just, their only character. You know, their only character like beats are this quirkiness, right? Yeah, it's exactly. like they're just like it's like who is this girl, right? Right. And so that's what you know. Look, that's what Charlize is doing here, and you know, for what she's doing, I think she's doing an okay job. Yeah, sure, sure. And I, <clears throat> excuse me, I actually also don't even think like the, the movie's not great. The conceit is not great because the full conceit of the movie is that initially unbeknownst to Keanu. Don't say it. Okay, well, I'll stop. No, right I'm telling, come on. Charlize, uh, Sarah Deaver, yep. is dying. No. Yeah, unfortunately. Of what? And, of movie cancer. Yeah, movie cancer. I don't oh. even, yeah, it is literally movie. It's just movie like t- terminal illness. Um, She does this thing where she is like dating men and like, writing their he she's literally like a career manic pixie dream girl because she is like <laughs> writing know. their their ships each month and he is she picks him what month uh november wow yeah 
Yeah, nuts. Wow. wow. Uh, it should have been Owen Wilson, probably. He um, would have been, yeah. Not a big enough star, probably. Well, around then. Yeah, anyway. Anyway, but it's Keanu, and here we are. Owen Wilson would have been And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they have like terrible chemistry in this movie. No, it's, I agree. I agree. It's one of those things that I think I just, I almost, I wish they could do a movie together now. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, because I feel like they would have just, I don't know, I feel like it'd be great. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It's funny you say that. So, not to go totally off track, but um, uh, Keanu and one Winona Ryder are currently making a movie called Destination Wedding, which is like a little two hander romance, yeah. as I understand it. Uh-huh. Which is a similar thing. Like Reunion. They're, Reunion. they're in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which right. is like the famous bad chemistry. Uh well, not only the chemistry, um, but the famous bad Keanu performance, right? Like he is yeah, just it's his worst. He, it's his I, worst. I, I, yeah. I I don't even know how there could be an argument, right? I mean, he's just he's too young, he doesn't have the accent at all. And shouldn't have tried it. I mean, it was just a mistake. It was like it was supposed to be Johnny Depp, but the studio forced Keanu. It's this whole thing and and it was obviously a debacle in its own way, that whole performance. But point being, not unlike this, when you watch that and then you hear about this Destination Wedding movie with Keanu and Winona, you think, oh, they're older, they're wiser. There probably was chemistry there. Let's see it. Like, let's see it in a more comfortable setting. You know what I mean? And I'm excited for the results. And other segue, I want to say right around the same year this came out, there was another movie with it where Winona oh right right right, 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 right. which girl. is the one that I like yeah with yeah, always kind of Deere, a little argument between us yeah called Autumn in New York it's the better movie you're right it's the better movie Autumn in New York directed this is funny which uh, I was looking at it today of you know just you know like when, when you look up Sweet November you're gonna look up Autumn in New York I mean there's just no two ways about it I mean you're talking about November you're talking about it being sweet and you think what about Autumn in New York and so I looked it up Directed by Joan Chen, who is in Twin Peaks, for all you Twin right. Peaks heads out there. Um, let me let me make sure I get her, uh, the name of her character right. But we all know her, Joan Chen, very significant in those early Twin Peaks um, seasons. She was, of course, uh, Jocelyn Packard, right, who... Yeah. Kind of very she takes crucial. Over the mill yeah, yeah, very crucial to those uh, those seasons. Anyway, people kind of are, just people just, are yelling at us right now. They're like, eh, it's yeah, you don't fucking know. Anyway, it's just a funny thing. She directed that movie. She kind of went into directing, she directed the movie. I think that movie's kind of underrated. Uh, Autumn in New York, we're talking about. Definitely a Richard Gere B side. We'll probably get to it. Probably a Winona B side. Um, and the superior movie of these two. Connor feels differently in his heart. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right, but I, I might be right. I would yeah. sooner watch. Because here's the thing about Sweet November. Tell me. Is that she just needed a month. Right. She needed one month. It's just to a month. To change his life. Sure. Forever. Is that the tagline? That is the tagline. No. The yeah. I, I don't like, act like a, that yeah. surprises me at all. That is the tagline. I'm like looking at the poster right now. Goodness gracious. But so the movie, whatever, it comes out, okay. First of all, I, I get the Valentine's Day release, but you make a movie called Sweet November. And you don't. You release it. I mean, what are we doing? But anyway, February 16th, it comes out. Oh, wait. Holy shit. And is a modest whatever. What's wrong? I did not know this. What's up? Based on a novel. It's a remake. Sweet November. Yeah. No. Yeah. Why? 1968. Oh, it's not based on a novel. Based on a film. Yeah. Wow. I did not know it either. 
That is crazy. A Sandy Dennis movie, too. Wow, that's wild. 1968, Sweet November. Technicolor film. Who directed it? Robert Ellis Miller. That is fascinating. Oh, my gosh. So Charlize turned down uh, turned down the Kate Beckinsale role in Pearl Harbor to play this to play this part. Interesting. I mean, I guess everybody wins on that one, A right? little bit, it's yeah. Kinda... She stays out of Pearl Harbor. <laughs> well, Kate... You know, for as as maligned as Pearl Harbor is, I think Kate gets away with that one. She's pretty pretty wonderful in uh in Pearl Harbor, all things considered. Um so here we are. We're at the last movie here, Hardball. Um it's directed by Brian Robbins. It's written by John Gattins. John Br- Gattins. You think Brian Robbins is the same Brian that forced Keanu Reeves to do The Watcher by forging his signature? Uh, that would be... Uh, Poetic. I mean, it'd be something. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so this movie... Here's the thing with this movie, right? Right off the bat. Here we go. Here's the deal. What's the release date on this picture? I said it before. September 14th, 2001. So... Here bad, we are. Bad time. It's a, you know, look. It's a, it is what it is. This shit, is what it is. Yeah, it's shitty September cards. 14th, people are less concerned about movies, I would say. Indeed. You know, tragedy and whatnot. Uh, it's Keanu Reeves. It's his movie. He's above the title. You got Diane Lane right before Unfaithful, right? Or right after. It's literally like right when it's happening for her, kind of rehappening. Yeah, it's yeah, it's literally the year before Unfaithful, right? She wow, this is crazy, actually. She was also in the Glass House, which also came out September fourteenth, two thousand one. Diane Lane, God bless, had a really tough September fourteenth. There's some kind of like loose changey conspiracy. I'm just saying that is on here. Wow. So she was in two movies. That came out three days after September 11, 2001. Do the math, people. Yikes. Do the math. Yikes. Wow. Anyway, point being, this is right before her kind of comeback run, Unfaithful, Under the Tuscan Sun. She gets the Oscar nomination for Unfaithful um, and kind of has a kind of a second wind, if you will. Anyway, it's him. It's Keanu. It's Diane Lane. It's John Hawks, right? right. He's got Pre, a pre-Winter's Bone, Right, too, so significant he role yeah. in this movie. He's like the best friend, you know, the... You know, Ken Reeves is a degenerate gambler, okay? We were talking about this before the show. He's in deep. He's in with a couple guys. Name's mm-hmm. Connor O'Neill, okay? He needs some cash. He goes to his friend, Mike McGlone, the actor you know from early Eddie Burns movies, right? And he's in... Uh, and he's in other stuff. He's yeah. a good actor. Yeah, he, right? I actually worked with him on something once. He's a good, nice guy. Way to name drop. Yeah, yeah. Bro. Mike McGlone, name drop. But anyway, so Reeves goes to Mike McGlone's like, yo, I need some money. Can you help me out? And McGlone goes, hey, man, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you $500 a week, and you're going to coach this inner city baseball team. Right, because his firm is supposed to, is like sponsoring right. the team or, you know. And so we're watching He's this supposed scene. To be so we're it. watching this scene, me and you earlier. And we're watching McGlone, we're watching Reeves, and we're thinking about how Reeves' name is Connor O'Neill. And we're, we're, we're catching some of the line reads. And we're saying, this shouldn't have been Reeves. It should have been Eddie Ed Burns. Burns. Yeah. The guy's name's Connor O'Neill. He's talking to McGlone. It's 01. 
Burns is still a little hot. Right. He's coming off we'll that saving private We'll do ride. an Ed Burns I mean, and how. Someday. <laughs> but, yeah. So Eddie, and he's a little hot. Okay, he's coming yeah. off that saving private eye. He's still kind of writing and directing. People are still like, this guy might have some heat. Okay? Why? Let's get Ed Burns in there. Let's have Ed Burns be the hardball And this, this was like right, right after She's the One. Yeah, it's. I mean, right. this is like a couple years after Ed Burns, which McGlone is in. Yeah, he's in. I, I he, th- he's in both of the first two. He's in because all because she's the she's the one is basically a proper remake of Brothers McMullen. Right. right, it's like the same right. thing. And it's just funny. We were watching the movie, and we're not saying Burns is better than Reeves, not at all. But what we're saying is. The part feels it's a weird part for Reeves, for Reeves. to play. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. I mean, I like that he's in it. I think he's doing good work here. But it's point being, it's a weird casting decision. Doesn't really have a lot of chemistry with Diane Lane. No. Um, very Irish name for being Cool Breeze Reeves. Right. I mean, for being part Lemonese. Yeah. Hawaiian. Part Hawaiian. Well. Very international man. Yeah. Okay. He's not a Conor O'Neill. I mean, no. it is what it is. He's Certainly not a Conor O'Neill. Uh, he's not a Conor O'Donnell, for God's sake. He's right here. <laughs> One person certainly is. Connor O'Neill, he's like, all right, I'm going to coach this team. I'm going to take your 500 a week. I don't like it, but I need it. Yeah. I'm going to dodge these bookies for a couple weeks, and we're going to figure it out. What are you saying? I can dodge bookies? Nice. Well done. And so here we go. What What happens? He falls in love with these kids. Indeed. He learns that it's about it's not just about saving the kids. It's about how the kids save him. Right? And in the process, he meets a teacher, Diane Lane, and her name's Elizabeth Wilkes, and she's doing her thing. She's she loves these kids. She teaches these kids. And this rough and tumble guy He's a little g- devil may care. Too. Well, a little yeah. devil may care. And, he, yeah. and then she's like, Hey, these kids matter, right? They look up to you. You're coaching this baseball team. And he's like, whatever, lady. You're beautiful, but whatever. Right? This is what we're talking about. He's playing he's playing hardball. Mm. She's game. Now, it also just dawned on me. Oh, God, here we go. Uh so she was in Must Love Dogs. Sure, of course. With Chicago native John Cusack. Johnny Cusack. Why is John Cusack not? Why is John Cusack not? Why is this not a John? Exactly. It should be. It'd oh be my great. god. Oh my god. But I hate that we're doing I feel bad we're doing this because this is we're trying to celebrate the B side of Reeves. Well, here. Hang on, but hang on. this I'm, is part of but here, this is part of the B side thing. We're it's a celebration, but it's an examination. Yeah, because right? Reeves it's, Reeves is not bad in this movie. No. He's not terribly wonderful either. Yeah. But he's he's fine. He's fine. He's trying it, something it, out. Yeah, exactly. And I think the it just it is funny because I feel like Especially right, like especially in like the the really more like you know the rope moments where like he he gets the whole team to to uh, to do Big Papa to make the pitcher feel better. Right, great, kind of a great. Scene. I no, mean, it's, it's in it's, its own weird yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like I, I I get that scene on paper and it's it's fine, and it's but it's like I, there's something just unbelievably awkward about Keanu Reeves trying to do well. And Biggie, I think, yeah, right? and, like, and, but you're right. But I think what is smart about the movie is the movie knows that, right? Obviously, like yeah. the way it's cut, it's trying to use that to its advantage. And I think what I was bringing it back to the kindness thing, 
I think when you look at these movies that he made in between the Matrix movies, where in some cases he's, you know, look, a knock on this guy is is the thing of 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 a vacancy, like we said before, a a a, a this thing of, you know, a surfer dude, you know, like oh I can dodge bullets, like this thing of like whoa, right? All these yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, and and that's easier to say, yeah. Right? I mean, that you know, he's doing a lot of great stuff in the Matrix, right? Sure. But he's doing different things, like we said in these five movies, right? And a lot of them are are faulty at best, fractured at best, right? Like, and I think, I would say other than, I mean, I think the gift and the replacements, I think he is top notch. Yeah, he's yeah. he is good for those. Movies, but I think but it yeah. speaks to this thing of of what he has. Like, so when I'm watching Hardball, I'm seeing the seams, I'm seeing the manipulation. And it's still kind of working, and I think it's because of Keanu. I think totally. There's, yeah, I think so. you know, there is a there's something sympathetic in his face, in his style, in his grace that really um, speaks to his longevity, right? And I think when you think about John Wick, right, these movies that you know it was another revitalization of his career, like mm-hmm. post Forty Seven Ronin and all this. I think you can see why people return. Like, John Wick's a hard character. But I think the reason you roll with him in those movies is because it's Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Right? Like, not unlike uh, Tom Hanks in Road to Perdition, right? You know, there's, you know, he's playing an edged anti-hero guy, but it works because he's Keanu Reeves. The stardom is the thing, right? Or part of it. Right, right. And and I think, I think he he tends to make those kinds of things just generally more palatable. Like it's whether it's, whether it's a not great performance, sorry, like whether it's watching him just be bored to death in the watcher yeah, or, um, or be a vehement racist in the gift. Right. Right. There's, you're still watching it. And I, like I, I, I don't like Keanu Reeves character in that movie, but it's like, he's good. It's, 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 I don't know the, yeah, the, the, the inherent likability of Keanu Reeves, right. I think uh, is really what fuels a lot of what he does in this movie. I mean, I don't think this movie is not terrible by any means, um, but I think it it is interesting for him in the sense of like he's clearly like doing a thing. Like he's like he's definitely performing in the movie. Oh yeah, and n- not always to the best effect. But I mean, he's he's definitely going for like some version of sleazy, and I. I think part of the reason it's not to the best effect is because like Keanu Reeves doesn't seem sleazy. Like it's yeah, but I don't know. I, I, I think it works because I think I, I buy the sleaziness, but I, I think he's also not shying away from, he's also not shying away from that, that the fact that this guy deep down is is a good guy, right? right. Like like right, he's right. he's hurting himself with the gambling, but when he hurts the kids, right? When when he when he when he goes to quit, you he feels bad, right? right. It's the changing thing. Like that's that's the difference, right? He is there's an inherent goodness in the character and it speaks to the inherent goodness that you know, that Keanu himself, you know, uh generates. And I think that kind of speaks to you know, hardball as a whole, it, it, it it's a manipulative studio piece of work that works more than when I was rewatching it than I thought it would. Now, the funny thing is, I, well, I think a big part of that is yeah. that it 
it still holds up in like a. There's still in, the in weird. Like, there's a white like a social, savior. There's a white savior yeah, thing that, that's tough. I that, mean, it's hard to get around. That, that part's definitely hard to swallow. Yeah, but I will say, in the general like goings on of the movie. Uh, it still holds up in regards to, I mean, it's set in the south side of Chicago. Right. Which is still not a great place. Sure. Right. And uh, it, I mean, it's, it all still fits. I, fun little thing that I noticed, I totally forgot about this. Uh, co-starring a little Michael B. Jordan right around The Wire. Uh, yeah. Like right around that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah right, right around there, and a similar type of role, kind yeah. of like the way his character turns out. Um, but one, but it's interesting with this movie, given the release date, right, three days after nine eleven, ultimately makes right over forty million worldwide, right. So, not not a hit, not really a flop, kind of probably, you know, maybe a little bit of a loss for for uh, for for the studio, um, which uh, Paramount, I believe, um, yeah, and. You have to wonder if it comes out a month later, a month earlier, does it kind of catch a little bit more? It definitely feels like a pleaser in a way. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I well, I think in a mo- in, in a world where uh, you know Disney, right? Like Disney would make this movie right now. Well, like, that's like, well. I guess what I mean is like Million Dollar Arm, right? Or or came out a few Mc, years ago. Disney movie. USA, right? right. Like, but those movies, they this box office number. And obviously, inflation being a part of this, it's that same '40s number. It's like it's. I want. It, it is one of those things. There's a mid range to these things, unless it explodes like something like The Rookie, right? right. Which was also Disney, right? But I do think. I, I wonder. I wonder if it would really make a difference. I mean, obviously, no one can really know. But it is in that world of of the million dollar arm of the, and, uh, you know. And so here's movies. the other. I was actually. I was talking about this the other day with a friend of ours and um and we had a whole debate as to whether or not because we were watching the mighty ducks right and this movie kind of feels like it feels like the the mighty ducks but like with like an another movie behind it like where if you actually focused on like gordon bombay being a super shitty person or something like that right 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 um and well, doesn't Gordon by big, he like gets a DUI? At he the gets it, but right? that's like kind of the deepest they go into it. Like in this, like Keanu Reeves right. has a gambling. Yeah. Get the gambling is as much. And this we were saying before, this movie has one of the most like one of the ballsiest like <laughs> one of the ballsiest gambling movie moves. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is that he, Connor O'Neill, Keanu Reeves places this bet he can't pay, right? He places this $12,000 bet to cover his debts. Yeah, he's in deep. And he's going to lose the bet, right? And then at the last minute, he wins it. Not even second. Last second. Right. It's like, like a it's a, a game-winning it's a, shot. It's a buzzer beater, And it's yeah. just, it's so strange where it's in this movie where obviously this idea is, you know, you know, show up, live your life, you know, you know, you know, be better, be more than yourself, all this his second chance comes at winning in gambling. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then obviously he stops gambling and what have you. But that move alone is such an interesting, it also, weird thing. It also feels really, uh, really uh, narrow as far as, like, he's a gambling addict. He's not just going to overnight stop being... Like, the 
the sequel to Hardball is like he and Diane <laughs> the Lane. Re, the relapse. <laughs> yeah, Harder Ball yeah. is where he and Diane Lane like break up because he's got 15 grand deep again. Like it's right. not, this is called two for the Well, money. right. It's not, it's not like a, it's not like the gambler, right? Like sure. it's not, yeah. You know, and, and not, and, well, nor, but I guess, and nor should it be like this movie is already. But you know, it's funny of, you say that because the gambler has the same thing, right? Yeah, but the gambler, I feel like at least at least the remake, like the remake, yeah, the Mark Wahlberg right. remake, yeah, yeah, like that movie, it because that has it at the end. I mean, spoilers for the gambler, yeah. but like that has the same type of trope at the end, right? kind of. But he he. I suppose there's an existential thing happening right. there. There's, he's been th- way through the ringer. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, it yeah, seems, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, that's true. Where for him to finally come to the point and and deal with his problem is is a little, you know, it feels a little different. Yeah, it just, I remember, I it's so funny because when I rewatched it, I rem, for Hardball, I remember thinking, oh, this is the movie where he wins the bet. Yeah, which I did not remember. And it's just so funny. I did not right? remember. What a weird, I, just a weird, yeah. in the world of screenwriting, in the world of making movies like this, it's a weird thing that to happen. And, 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 you know, and obviously the movie goes out of its way to try to justify it. And maybe it works. I mean, I, you know, it's one of the, I mean, we're talking about it now. It's just a funny thing. Um, and like we said, I think, you know, he, Keanu's a little miscast, but I think he does well with what he has. Um, and, and then, you know, literally, what, seven months after this, eight months, Matrix Reloaded comes out. And it's kind of like all, yeah. back to it. It's Matrix Reloaded. It's Revolutions. And then, you know, he has kind of another little, not even little, right? I mean, he, he basically, he does those movies. And then he's he, some of the movies you mentioned before, Thumbsucker, um, A Scanner Darkly, um, uh, Private Lives of Pippoli in the next kind of five years they'll all come out but he'll also have his Constantine right he'll yeah. have his you know Street Kings he's trying to kind of yeah. kind of jump jump start these other other things so it's interesting I mean that five this five ye- this five movie chunk and they all came out within two years right 2000 2001 it's a little fascinating right these movies came out at the height of his stardom and they kind of represent both a turning point in his career and also kind of a a stagnation. And then, you know, as we kind of watch what happened next, he went into the indie world a little bit. He languished. He made 47 Ronin, which is just a monster bomb, which also, he, you know, a movie he cared about a lot. And re- reunited with Sandy Bullock. In the lake house. In the lake house, which I, I was debating talking about, yeah, right? Because we, we, we it is, it is, it is a, it's almost a B side. I feel like I like, is, I, I, I like the lake yeah, house. It is but a certain kind of. Movie. David Auburn, a uh, great writer, uh, wrote the script there. And um, but then John Wick, twenty fourteen, right, comes out, and you know, not even a huge hit. Not unlike Point Break, not a huge hit, but you know, four years later. You know, in the world of pop culture, I mean, you know, uh, you know, we'll live on for for a long time. Yeah, not it's unlike, an action, not staple like not already. unlike Point Break. Yeah, it's becoming out, you know, gun fu, right? Yeah, like it's its own thing. So it's cool. Yeah. So he really kind of turned it around again. This kind of another wind he's had in his career. So just interesting. He has had a very interesting career, and now he's in this age where he's doing these little weird roles. The Bad Batch, he's kind of great in Neon Demon. He's weird in 
to the bone. A weird little role as a doctor. Became a director. He be, directed a pretty good little movie, Man from Tai Chi, or is it Man, Man, of, Man, Tai Man of Tai Chi? Man sorry, Tai Chi. Sorry, sorry. Man of Tai Chi. And he's got a bunch on the horizon, including Destination Wedding, including John Wick 3. And, you know, he's just, he's he's breezing through his life coolly. Very cool. And he's had, a, he's had tragedies, but he's come out the other side. There's something that I kind of dawned on me while we were talking about all this, like particularly about that this section of movies that we talked about and then that that whole other half of his career that you coolly breezed right through. Um, that he <laughs> he's also since become a meme. Right, and yeah, I, right, right, I right, want, right. Like, in multiple ways, right? Like there's the Bill and Ted meme, there's the sad Keanu sandwich meme, which like I laughed at loud watching Hardball because there's a scene... I feel like if this movie came out today and it was the same movie, it would feel like more of like a direct reference to the sad Keanu sandwich meme. But he, he like gets home to his apartment. He sits on the couch and he opens up like a thing, like a slice of pizza. And he's just like tired. And he just takes like this, like sad bite, big sad bite of this like slice of pizza. And that for a moment I was like, this might be the most honest scene in this movie. Um, That's funny. But it, uh, I, I think, I, you know, I wonder with with actors like him, right? I think part of the likability, like he, I don't know. I think he he was a, I think he was a pop culture punchline for a really long time, right? And including still throughout when these movies, yeah, that we're talking yeah, about, yeah, were, early were, aughts, were, yeah, were the early out, aughts, right? yeah. And I think a big part of it is that, um. I don't know. I think people finally just kind of were like, nah, yeah, he kept he's... trucking. He survived it, right? He kind of like, he, he kept making movies. He kept doing work and people started noticing that maybe the work was good. Yeah, well, and I think, yeah, I was just right? going to say. And maybe, think, and maybe it got better. I, yeah, I think that's a part of it. I think he definitely, like, he, t- to the point of like the Dracula thing, right? Like he, is n- that it, like, he is not good in that movie, right? Like, and and some of these movies we mentioned, like, you know, like Hardball or the Watcher, or um, you know, I I don't know if I don't like. Yeah, Ed Burns is probably more suited for this role, especially at this time, right? Than Keanu Reeves is, but I don't know if the movie's any better, right? Right? Like, oh I, no, yeah, it it, right. it may in fact even be worse. Yeah, like I, you know, so I just think yeah, what you're talking about is, is right. I mean, I think an interesting thing about these five movies. Uh, that we focused on specifically and just in going forward with this podcast is I think glimpsing these moments uh, of in-between movies, right? These moments where movie stars are either trying something new or kind of cashing in in a way they, you know, they they cash in, but it doesn't go, go the way they want it to go or whatever. It speaks to that never ending saga of like being in front of, of the camera and performing and honing your craft, you know, whatever that craft may be and figuring out kind of how to challenge yourself, but also that hard thing of be viable. Right. And I think Keanu as, as good as anybody has figured a way, figured out a way to do that. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, like we're talking about his action corner is un is un you know unparalleled right like the fact that he has been in four action you know 
action classics, right? Yeah. How, and like you said, how many people have even done that? And so it's fun to look at the other ones and kind of be like, what was he trying to do here? And and that's it. I mean, that's I think what is is, is just kind of nice to like look and lean and to look at the reception, to look at the box office. Like all of these movies. I mean, all five of these movies, right, including The Gift, were base. The reception was basically middling, right? The Gift was a sneaky hit. It was the reviews were a little bit better, but basically all five of those movies came and went in their time. Some movies kind of blossomed, like The Replacements. Others are little hidden gem or little hidden gems like the gift, and then the other three are these like I said, curios. These weird, what was he doing and why was he doing it? Movies, and that's what this is. That's that's what this is. And uh, God bless the cool breeze for breezing into our lives, right? Anything else you want to add about Keanu before we uh, call it a call it a call? Um, I I think. Uh... I think just may he live forever in our minds, sure. in our hearts, in our hearts. Yeah. And um, what would be on the cool breeze? Uh, how about this? What would be last thing? What do you want to see Keanu do? Right in, in the spirit Ooh, okay. of B sides. Yeah, What's, yeah, yeah. Not John Wick, whatever. No, not, no, right. Like you know, what whatever. Is a... What's a? It can be a sequel if there's a role you want him to return to. That, you know, that doesn't get a lot of credit or something. But oh, um, I mean, I, I this would never happen, but I. It's granted, and he wouldn't do it because of the John Wick movies. I would watch the shit out of a late in life Speed Three starring Keanu Reeves. <laughs> oh my god, I could not disagree with you. I more. just, I would watch the shit out of, oh, out of no, out of, but out Jack of pure, Traven, just out of like, pure curiosity, like out of like where single. Liam Neeson is the bad guy, and I don't know, you know, I'm just I'm spitballing here, but um, no, I I think uh, other than that, no, I um. I don't. It's tough to say because I think he's he's got a. I mean, he doesn't have an amazing range, but his filmography does. Right. He's done. He's done. He's done it all. He's done it all. I would love to maybe see. Um, you know, like I would have loved to have seen the version of of Passengers with him and Rachel McAdams. Like I would love to see him maybe do a. Uh, you know a role like that in a, in a different kind of like, like a lonely man sci-fi movie. I think he'd crush it in, 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 in the spirit of moon or something. Like yeah. That. He was supposed to, yeah, he was supposed to be passengers. Like right. you said, with, with Rachel McAdams, right. Like I became, think, you know, the other movie. And um, I, th- I think that would have been great. I, so for me, I would love to see him do Shakespeare again, right? Because he's in, um, much ado about nothing. And, and, ki- and kind of underrated, yeah, I think. He's he, pretty good. I think the problem with that performance, uh, and it's not, it's I don't even think tonally it's like his reading of Shakespeare or whatever. Right. It's it's the accent. It's he can't really do it. Yeah, I think in that one he's a little bit more comfortable with the silliness of it. It's a comedy. Yeah. And he doesn't, I mean, he's sort of... Hedging a little. It's tough because Michael Keaton crushes it in a similarly sized role, right? But Denzel's not doing an accent. Right. But it's Denzel. That's the other part. Is like is like Reeves at the time is up against Brana, Zell, and even in a even in a, a slightly smaller supporting role, can't hold his own because Keaton's in an equally sized role 
totally fucking nailing it. Yeah. Right. So it's and it's yeah. it's less even him, and it's more that every everybody else in that movie is doing. So Emma, Emma Thompson's great. Well, right? that, like, maybe that's my point. It would be cool to see him do it again now that he's aged. You know. Right. Maybe. I, yeah. I feel like it'd be like interesting to see him kind of take maybe take a yeah take on something. I don't know. Not you know I mean, too young for King Lear, but. Something, something, some Shakespeare property where he could kind of sink his teeth into something. I think he might be great. Uh, this is not the same thing, but I think he might be great in a Bombac movie. That's interesting. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that I could, would be that. That it's that itself opens a lot of interesting doors. Yeah. All right. On that note, on the note of Counter Reeves being in the next No Bombac movie. We will leave you. I'm Dan Mecca. My guest is Connor O'Donnell. We thank you for listening to this B-Side podcast. Thank and, you for having uh, me. I mean, you're welcome. So. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Have a lovely day.